Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Richard Jenkins on The Shape of Water, The Step Brothers, and being the consummate character actor. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused, my podcast where I talk to cool actors, cool directors, and cool sidekicks cool. like Sammy. Cool actors. K-E-W-L. Cool actors. I'm cool. sure Richard Jenkins loves being considered the cool actor. I'm going to have to vet with you in the, in the future the things I plan on saying. The problem is I don't plan on saying anything, as is evidenced by my shitty intros. Oh, wow. Well, Hence your mm-hmm. participation. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love when I'm... I'm not on them, and I listen to them. It makes me laugh so hard. It was really upsetting. Yes, yeah, Sammy started texting me the other day when she was clearly listening to one where I had to ride solo, and I'm insecure about it because it feels just like talking to yourself. I am talking to myself. Yeah, but like in call and response fashion. It's a hard thing to do. It's I... fascinating. <laughs> it really is. It's like this is what happens in there. <laughs> and by in there, you mean in the brain? In the brain, yeah. Yeah, it's dark and okay, cold you're doing? in You're there. doing great. Okay, great. Oh, let's talk about this. Oh, okay. I don't do that. No, you're. it's so good. All right. Um, it's so good. Let's talk about someone that is so, so good and super cool. Richard Jenkins. <laughs> I know who response. you're talking about. Uh, Richard Jenkins is the guest on uh, uh, this episode of Happy, Sad, Confused. Um, his new film is The Shape of Water, who, uh, which is directed by the great Guillermo del Toro. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Guillermo, actually, if you haven't listened to that podcast. Uh, we taped it way back when uh, the film debuted at the Toronto Film Festival. So just go back into the archives a bit if you want to hear from Guillermo. Is this... The movie you were seeing when you sat next to somebody special. This was my special Benedict Cumberbatch time. Yes. And Benedict shared his, offered you some popcorn. It was a magical experience. <laughs> yeah, that's okay? why. It was a really special yeah. time to be alive. <laughs> okay. So I still need to see the movie again because <laughs> it's the greatest movie ever made because oh, I, I thought, shared popcorn with yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch. You didn't even see the movie. You were just like, does Benedict like it? No, <laughs> I, was just, I was just staring at him yeah. the entire time. <laughs> Is he eating the popcorn or just holding it as a prop? <laughs> <laughs> Should I ask for more popcorn? Yeah. <laughs> What's the etiquette? You like lick your hands and take some of his popcorn. <laughs> I got my own bag just for the record. He gave me a whole bag of popcorn. Why did he have... Because when you're Benedict Cumberbatch, people just give you, like, six bags of popcorn. Oh, so it was a charity. Hey. <laughs> he wasn't like, you're my friend, here's some. He's like, why the fuck am I going to hold two bags how of popcorn? Many, how many bags of popcorn has Benedict Cumberbatch ever given you? You don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the movie yeah. that we saw while yeah. we had popcorn together was The Shape of Water, which uh, comes from the wonderfully uh, deranged and magical mind that is Guillermo del Toro. Uh, it, Guillermo. It, Guillermo's the best, and he. This one is is uh, has garnered uh, fantastic reviews. Um, you know, the, the the brief summary of it is basically, it's it's kind of a Beauty and the Beast tale. Uh, Sally Hawkins uh, plays a woman who um, kind of it takes place I think early sixties I want to say, um, and she falls in love with kind of like a fish man, a, a, a mythical kind of creature played by um, the remarkable Doug Jones. He, Doug is the the guy that's been in like virtually all of Guillermo's movies from Pan's Labyrinth to Hellboy and always kind of inhabits those, those fantastical creatures. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a story really about outsiders and about love, and it's it, kind of a mix of, of all kind of the genres that, that Guillermo's toyed with over the years. There's, um, you know, kind of like uh, there's m- magic and fantasy involved, and there's, there's a bit of a musical vibe to it. Um, it's, it's, it's gorgeous to look at, and, um, and, and it's filled with fantastic performances, performances beyond just Sally and Doug. Richard Jenkins plays Sally's uh, kind of best friend. Um, Who else is in it? 
Michael Shannon's in it. <laughs> Michael Shannon's <laughs> yeah. in it. Uh, Michael Stuhlbarg, who's coming up on the podcast very soon, uh, is in it as well. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a solid, uh, great piece of work. I'm excited to check it out again uh, very soon. And and I was delighted to have Richard Jenkins on the show, who, of course, you probably know um, from it could be any number of things. He was Oscar nominated for his role in The Visitor. Oh, he he, oh, you remember that one? That was yes. a good. I'm glad you enjoyed he was that one. So good. Yeah, in that movie. he was great in that one. And that was we talked about that in this one. That was his, I think it was his first leading role, maybe his only leading role. He's um, he's he's one of those guys that uh, just is always um, rises to whatever the occasion is. He can fit any number of different. He's kind someone of parts. who like if you see it, you're like, oh my god, he was in yeah. this. You look at his IMDb page, you're like, flirting with disaster. I don't know if you remember him in that one. He and Josh Brolin were kind of a couple in that oh. one. And really uh, fantastic in that. And of course, Step Brothers kind of also kind of revitalized his career, or at least introduced him to a new audience. Uh, and this one may end up getting him uh, an Oscar nomination. He's getting uh, great, great reviews for this. So um, really thrilled to talk to a guy that also, as you'll hear in the podcast, just seems like the most decent human beings. Like he's been married for like 50 years. Oh, they, they love they've that. always lived in Rhode Island. <gasps> he like lives he in Rhode Island. Still, he took the train in from Rhode Island no. for this. I mean, he's, he honestly is like, I fell in love with him. Did he, you like feel like you wanted to like do more since he came all the way? Well, from to, Rhode to, Island? to be fair, he did, did us. And then I think he had a Q and a right after oh. the podcast. So he was double duty, but he's still, like, oh, do you want some of the stale candy on my desk too? <laughs> I like, always offer the you. stale candy. Uh-huh. So, um, so yes, yeah, so that's, uh, Richard Jenkins. Let, let's just actually go right to the Richard Jenkins podcast conversation because um, uh, it's a it's a long career uh, uh, and and well worth talking about. He's one of those guys that probably hasn't done a lot of these kind of long form interviews and and damn it, he deserves. Yeah, time and respect. Sure does. He's one of the best out there. So uh, go check out The Shape of Water. Uh, I believe it's out in New York and perhaps L.A. right now and spreading around the country very, very soon. Uh, it's a special one. Uh, enjoy this conversation with Richard Jenkins. Oh, and Sammy, what should yeah. I remind people? Hey, I think it'd be cool if they would rate, review, and subscribe. I almost forgot. <laughs> and you weren't helping. You, I know. You were I, checked d- out. I completely forgot. I completely forgot. Guys. But... We're now being that you've serious. said it, it's all I care about. We're being serious. Yes. Just go to iTunes. Do do me a solid. Do it right now. Like right now. What yeah. are you doing? What are you doing, what dude? You, yeah. Pull over. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. It honestly would mean a lot. Just uh, go to iTunes, uh, review, rate, and subscribe. Spread the good word of Happy, Sad, Confused. And then come back and enjoy yeah. this conversation with, with Richard Jenkins. Yeah. Press pause and then come back and press play. And by the way, guys, not to toot our own horn, but we're cranking them out right now. We've got two more podcasts coming up this week uh, with two other... Uh, what if you lose your voice? Me? <laughs> then that's what you're here for. You're yeah. subbing in. <laughs> the the interviews you, like- you could do a good Josh Horowitz imitation. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Here's Richard Jenkins. I'm very pleased to be joined by Mr. Uh, Richard Jenkins. As you can hear from the squeaks, we're getting adjusted in our chairs on a rainy night in New York. We're, we're not outside, though. No. Okay. <laughs> Small favors. We at least have some, uh, yes, some shelter here. Um, thanks for making the trip. I know you're, uh, you're starting to spread the good word again on this, uh, this great film and this great performance, The Shape of Water, which I'm, I'm such a fan of. Oh. Thank you. Um, I first saw it in in, uh, in Toronto, um, and uh, I would imagine. Have you had a bit of a break from the press? Or are you kind of like gearing up again? Well, of- um, from Toronto, we went to London. Um, I was just on a Savannah film oh, okay. festival down there. 
It's a good way. It's a good place to. It's a good way to go see places you haven't been. Yeah, some good food in Savannah. Hopefully, it wasn't there long enough. We had one great meal. Okay, yeah, one great meal. Okay, um, you uh, you made the trip by train. I hear today. How well, I always do. Is that right? Yeah. I love trains. Yeah, I have, I have a lot of family in D.C., so that's the way we travel back and forth. Um, they had to stop and check the brakes oh, no. about an hour outside. <laughs> Inspires like, confidence. Like, how do you do that? And there's a guy walking out, and he, he checked the brakes, and he came old back school. and said, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> do you get, um, I mean, do you, how many times are you recognized on a trip like that? Does that happen? Often? Yeah, happens all the time. You know, I mean, they don't. I don't get mobbed, but you know, pe- people are very nice. Is it the right level of fame that you feel like you have? Are you manageable? I, you know, you forget when somebody comes up to you, you think you know them from someplace, you know, and then you realize, oh, okay, it's uh, it's not that. It's uh, Step Brothers or something. Right. Yeah. Did it ramp up a lot with Step Brothers? It did. Step Brothers. It's with, with an age group, it ramped up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It uh, widened the, the Richard Jenkins Appreciation Club. Well, it's Dr. Doback. That's who they call me. <laughs> it's Doback. <laughs> but then I, I, I guess you also get the... And I, I know Will was actually doing some press here in New York today uh, for his new film. I would imagine you also are one of those guys that uh, for years have gotten kind of like the people that are not sure what they know you from. And it's a lot of like, what, did we go to school? Were you yep. my teacher? Uh, that no, kind of a, a thing. A lot of guys. One guy came up to me one day and he said, is your name Roy? I said, no. He said, are you sure? I said, pretty sure. <laughs> I'm not that far out yet. <laughs> okay, I'm Roy. That's who I am. But what do you want me to be? I'm school or, you know, how do, what, what do I know you from? That must be such a painful, I mean, it's, 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 it's nice that people like want sweet, to acknowledge you in some way, but it's also like you don't want to start listing off your resume and be like, I don't know. But yeah, I've done that. That's not good. You don't want to start doing that because once you start doing that, listing off movies, they go, no, didn't see it. No, no, didn't see it. I, I, one guy, was a, I listed a, a movie I did and, and he said, why would I ever see something like that? <laughs> so so I, I've stopped doing that. You don't do that. Probably was. Because you just say, what, what have I seen you in? I don't know what you've seen. So it's, yeah. Well, you've had the kind of career, luckily, that um, from Step Brothers to The Visitor to, uh, you know, Shape of Water, it draws different kinds of audiences, it which does. is nice. You know, you can tell, you know, older folks, The Visitor, yeah, older folks, younger than me, but um, um, uh, Olive Kitteridge, I get that sure. from, you know, so... And for, for me, I think the first time I saw you on screen was uh, Witches of Eastwick. It was really my first, that was the first part I had in a movie. Is that right? In, in a, yeah. In, but in you a, did Silverado, but that was kind yeah, of just yeah. like, I said, you were there. I said, howdy, and you can't do that, and they shot me, you know. Right. So that, <laughs> that was really not, I think Jeff uh, Goldblum, very funny man, said to me one day, um, who are you playing in Silverado as he was in it? And I said, Kelly. And there was this long pause. He went, oh, you're Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Goldblum kind of play, amazing, it was brutal, it was brutal. <laughs> um, but which is Eastwick was, uh, you know, I was telling you before when you walked in, I'm a child uh, of the '80s, and uh, that was a big one for me. And I'm, I'm such a, as every kind of film geek is, I think, like Guillermo, George Miller is just the gold standard for me. And he's been, he's been in here. He got, we, he, we talked about, um, you know, Fury Road, of course. But uh, that was a, that was a tough one for him. I know he's talked about how like that was. He said he'd never come back to the states and do another movie. I don't think he has either. Yeah, he's done it kind of on his own terms ever since yeah, yeah um did you sense that as kind of <laughs> yeah really yeah he talked about it he just said this is crazy he said, yeah. and you know he's a really interesting guy i mean he's so smart and a doctor a yeah, uh, yeah yeah uh, he's really an interesting dude and it, it was they wouldn't let me on the set the first day i was shooting because they didn't believe that i was in it uh, i live 
probably 60 miles from where we shot in Massachusetts. Mm. And uh, I pulled up to the, then the guard wouldn't let me through. And I said, you guy, I'm in this movie. And he goes, yeah, you and everybody else in town. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I've got some actual stuff to do. I get to watch Veronica Cartwright throw up like, for extended <laughs> right, periods right. of time. Yeah, cherry pits. No, but, and then some grip walked by and he, the guard said, hey, you know who this guy is? He said, never seen him before. Oh, no. so it was, it was, <laughs> it's been uphill since then. Yeah, it was, it was uphill. When, when did you start to feel comfortable in your own abilities as an actor? I mean, oh, when did, did, I do you ever? ever do, really. <laughs> I mean, you, you start to, you know, it's, it's a, God, it's a long, it was for me, it's for me, it's a long process. It's never ending. Hopefully it'll never end. I mean, you know, it'll end someday, but, but you learn constantly as you go. Um, and, but, you know, once you think you figured it out, you're in trouble, I think. Um, but, I think I got comfortable with who I was as an actor maybe 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did that coincide with any specific experience or film? Or Well, it was before The Visitor. Yeah, I was going to um, say. And I don't even know. I, I felt, because it was that was the first time I'd ever had a lead in a film, right. and last. Um, <laughs> but um, it was one of those things where I felt, yeah, I'm, I think I can do this. I'm... I'm it, it's not that. It's not that you can act the part. Is what people want to watch it. That's really the right. the fear that most actors have. I think when, when you walk onto a set, when you walk onto a set like Shape of Water with someone like Guillermo, like do you have it already all kind of figured out in your no, head? I have none of it figured out in my head. None of it. So that must still be a degree of fear the first couple of days yeah. when you're kind of everyone searching together. It is. Well, we rehearsed for about a week or a week and a half. Okay. Um, but that's really kind of a just to get to know each other and Sally and I became really friends and um, which was really important I think for for uh, for the movie but no you don't I, I don't know I have no idea what I'm going to do I mean I have an idea sure. that, you, you, I, you I have a game plan but you're ready like a, to a lazy actor isn't it? <laughs> I haven't yeah. read the script yeah, I read it that day I read it my line I don't believe my that line for bullshit, a second. bullshit yeah no I, I, yeah I but it's until you're there until you're living in that apartment with with her coming in and going out, you know, to once you make a decision about something, this is how I feel. Once you make a decision about something, it's dead, dies. Now it doesn't, it, you know, if you say that's what I'm going to do here, then you you destroy any possibility of doing anything else. Any life that so could you possibly know, seep you, into you that. You miss yeah. things that come at you. You're not you're not aware of the. You just. Ha- I mean, the truth is you have to live your life on the screen. That's what you have to do. Well, and especially on something like this where I know you've talked about this and it's, it, I can tell from seeing the film, the sets are just remarkable. I mean, like what, what Guillermo, the world that Guillermo creates is, is both feels authentic to the time but is a heightened reality that only he can create. Um, and that must kind of just like fire off synapses like when you walk onto it. Like, Loved it. I was. I called my wife and I said, "You have to see this set. This is what I thought making movies was going to be about when I was in college. You right. know, look like this, where everything is authentic and nothing is real. It, which is so hard to do. All the books and all. I mean, the cats and the the, the sketching and the, the the charcoal and the bed and the refrigerator, and yet it wasn't real. Right. It was otherworldly. It was a piece of art. It was." It was what movies can do that they don't do very often. Well, it, it must inspire. I mean, it's part of why I've just loved 
everything Guillermo's ever done, whether it, it works 100% or not. He's, he's put so much time and meticulous care into creating both what you see on screen and everything kind of like that's bursting out of the seams, uh, all, you know, outside of the frame. Um, you can't ever say he has not put in the work of like really creating a world. Like nobody I've ever worked with. Right. I mean, that's what he he does that better than anybody. And and it's it's a conscious. He knows consciously what he wants to do, mm. and uh, he knew what this film was going to look like. He knew um, what it was going to sound like, and you know he told us, but I still didn't get it until I saw it. Did, did you worry when you when you come onto a set like that again, knowing the kind of the craftsman he is? Like, am I just going to be a pawn in his little? Chess game where there's not going to, I'm not going to have well, that room to breathe that well, I need as an actor. I would demand it. <laughs> We'd have a conversation. No, but, you know, th- that's the difference between now and a few years ago. I wouldn't do that if I thought that's what it was going to be. Right. You know, I read the script. I loved the part. The part was three dimensional. It was this man with his own life, his own world that that ends up, you know, leaving that world and helping somebody else. But but um, you know, he wrote these three dimensional characters, and that's why I said yes to the film. Yeah. And I knew, I mean, I didn't know, but I was pretty sure he was going to film that. But what you see immediately with Guillermo is he's, he he says, "Let's see what you have to bring." You know? There's so he has so much empathy also for like every kind of character. Like he obviously has a clear love of of the outsider, of the person that feels like they're not being seen literally or, 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 or figuratively. Um, and that's what this film, it, it really, it feels like it's, it's an ultimate distillation of what he's all about in that like every, virtually every character is unseen in a way. Yeah. On and the fringes. that's why it takes place in 1962. Right. Because that's the time when everybody's, let's go back to that. Yeah. The good know, old days. Let's make America <laughs> great again. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, and I grew up in 1962. I was a freshman or sophomore in high school. It was great, but I was a white man. Right. You know, uh, if you were anything other than literally that, anything other than that, it wasn't it so, was great. so great. <laughs> you know, and, and um, you know, but it, it was a great time for me. You know, but it's really, I, you know, until I saw the movie, I knew what we were doing. Mm-hmm. But it, the degree in which the the I think the brilliance of putting it in that year is just, um, I mean, that to me was spectacular, yeah. and I didn't realize that until I saw it. Yeah. You, you you mentioned kind of like the the time you grew up in, um, and also the place where you grew up. I'm curious, like, it, was was it a diverse place at all? Like, did no, you no, no 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 no? There was there were no gay people in my high school until our 40th reunion, and then you know, <laughs> it's like, but you just didn't come out. You sure. just didn't say you were gay, and and you didn't. Um, uh, there were no African-Americans in my town. I grew up in a farm town. Yeah. A, a, it was great. I mean, I had a wonderful childhood. It was 60 miles west of Chicago. Um, it was a safe, wonderful place to grow up. Yeah. But it, you didn't really know the world. Um, you, the only way you knew the world was through movies and books. That's the only way you could see the world. Um, but, you know, I had a great time. You had, you had an early love of film, right? I like, loved it from the minute I started going to the movies, yeah. Yeah. What are your first indelible memories of of uh, movie going? Haley Mills. <laughs> okay, all right, sure. I just fell in love with Haley Mills, <laughs> and I thought I could go to London and be her gardener. I did. I had this fantasy. What a romantic head. That, and then she would see me out there planting tomatoes and <laughs> fall for me. So being an actor was the closest thing you could get to get. This will get me close to Haley Mills. I mean, I was just. Uh, I, 
But we used to go. I used to go to the movies every Friday and Saturday night. Didn't matter what was on. We just went. Went. I yeah. saw it. Sometimes we stayed twice. That's back in the day. You could sit and watch it again. Um, but I loved movies. But and you say, how do you how do you do that? Right. And nobody in my town had ever done that. I well actually. Um, Somebody who was on Raymond on um, oh, uh, Perry Mason, Perry Mason, um, Della Street. Uh, oh, what's sure, her name? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, Barbara, um, Barbara Bain, not, not no, Barbara Bain. Oh, no, gosh, isn't that awful? Yeah, I can't remember her name, but it's but, William William Katz's mom. I remember the actor William Katz was. Uh, yes, right. Yes, yeah. and 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 her, her husband, his father was uh, Wild Bill Hickok. Oh, okay, um, yeah. Oh, was her? Oh gosh, it's terrible. But That's okay. I'm, I grew up watching Perry Mason. That was a great show. But she was from DeKalb, and that would always come up if she was ever in in Chicago or Illinois. So, so I, did you express at the time like a, a like even a, a secret dream, or was it a not so secret dream, or was it? It was. It. Well, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know yeah. how to go about it. But I told my parents. I did a play in eighth grade, and uh, I came home and I told my parents I wanted to be an actor. And I didn't know this, but my father just freaked out. And he told my mother, I will not allow this. It's not going to happen. Uh, he's, he'll starve to death. This is not how a grown-up makes a living. You don't right. do that. Well, he, he had said, no point of reference. No, none, none. Yeah. And so my mother said, relax. And he said, I'm not going to relax. I will not allow it. So she called up the theater teacher at my junior high school. And I didn't know any of this they did an article on me in the local paper, and somebody sent me the article, and this theater teacher told this story. My parents were both dead when she told. Um, so anyway, she said my mother called her up and said, you have to talk to my husband. He's being unreasonable. And, uh, oh, God bless my mother. She's <laughs> the sweetest. And so she said, well, put him on the phone. And he got on the phone. He said, I will not allow this. She said, no, wait a minute. He said, no, I will not allow it. She said, okay, okay. You go ahead. You put your foot down, um, and you say no. But you have to. You have to understand that when you do that, he will never forgive you for the rest of his life. And if you're willing to live with that, you go right ahead. Wow. And I never knew my father was against me being an actor. Uh, my father, I thought he's my biggest supporter and my biggest fan. That's a beautiful story. That's amazing. It is an what amazing a gift. Story. What a, I, mean, I, I never got a chance to thank him or my oh. mom, but I did go back. <laughs> And thanked her, the, the drama teacher. I knocked on her door, and she was very ill. And um, we talked for an hour. Um, and I just said, I just, I had no idea. That's and, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you were bringing me to tears. Well, well, I mean, it's me too. I, I read it, in, yeah. in, in the, and all I could think of was, you know, it, listen, if you have parents and you love them, tell them you love them. Yeah. Uh, because you don't know what they did. The secret sacrifices that, you that, didn't that know were about. happening behind the Absolutely. bedroom door that you have Absolutely. no idea. The conversations. I, had, I mean, my father, I just, I was gobsmacked. I had, no, I, I had no idea. I thought he was pushing me to be an actor. And all the while, he was terrified. And yeah. not to mention, it, it, it took a while, at least in terms of the film career. We'll get to that. But like you, I mean, were you making a living? Like you were doing a lot of theater. You moved to Rhode Island where you still live. Um, were I, you making a decent living? No, like, no, I was I was making a check every week. But uh, my amazing wife was uh, she went back. She started to teach. She's a, a choreographer and oh, wow. a, a, a dancer, and she ran the dance the arts magnet program in a high school in Rhode Island. She she ran the um, dance program. So if it wasn't for her, we I mean I was working in regional theater making you know like. Right, and then we had a daughter. Our daughter was born, and it was like really scary how we're going to educate this kid. So I went out to L.A. for about ten months 
thinking I could uh, find my way. Is this in your 20s or really 30 I was now? in my 28. Which, 20, which, by the way, is still like a decade or so before the film career started to right, go, yeah, right? So it was about 37 or 8 I started doing movies. Yeah, 36 or 7. So I, clearly that trip did not... That re- did not do... I did not do well out there. Um, I it was I, as they say, got my ass handed to me. And uh, I couldn't... Nobody would see me. I couldn't get in anywhere. I mean, I, I, I was this... And I, I was this goofy-looking 28-year-old with corduroy pants because it was cold when I left Rhode Island, and it was 100 <laughs> degrees. And so everywhere I went, I was sweating. I mean, I, uh, and, and I just, no, I, I couldn't get anywhere. And I said I, I, I had to borrow $200 from my uncle who was in the Air Force in San Bernardino for gas money to get back to... Uh, and I, my, I, my wife and our daughter stayed at her parents' house for, for all that time, waiting, and um, uh, they came back, yeah. And so um, I came back and said, it's "Not going to happen." That's so, got to be a tough road trip back by yourself, thinking was. in your it head, was, like it was, it was really depressing. It was really depressing. But um, you know, I'm glad I glad it happened. I'm glad I went. And then in the mm-hmm. ensuing eight or nine years, you're still you're in Rhode Island. Your yeah. your wife's still making a decent living, so She's, you are able and, to get by. And I start doing plays at different theaters. I do with the Yale Rep, and then um, John Pasquin, who is. Uh, Joe Beth Williams, uh, her her husband, is a wonderful director, and I was at the O'Neill Center doing mm-hmm. theater there. And he said, "Why don't you come do a play at the Longworth Holiday with me?" And I said, "No, John, I just done play at the Yale Rep. I said, "I don't want it." He said, "No, come." And I said, "No." And he finally said, "Let's do this." So I said, "Okay." I did it. And one night, Sandy Dennis, remember Sandy? Sure. Dennis? Yeah, yeah. And Bill Tresh, who was a manager, her manager, was he had a place up in. Uh, in Connecticut in the weekends, and they came to see Holiday, and she said, sign him. And he came backstage afterwards, and I was 36, and he said, I want to sign you. I said, okay. <laughs> this isn't supposed to happen this Great. way. It isn't. It never, <laughs> but, you know, I, I'd forgotten this, this. I'd forgotten about it, because yeah. it was like, I'm going to have to make my way doing this. Right. Because I, I do. I wasn't in New York. Nobody knew who I was. Right. It's not like I was in the New York theater scene. Um so he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be in movies. And he said, okay. I said, I, said, I don't live in New York. He said, I don't care where you live. But if I call you um, for an audition, you've got to get on the train or the car, however you do this, and you've got to come. You can't say it's too far, it's too m-. I said, okay. I said, but, you know, just don't get me an audition at 7 o'clock in the morning. You know, try right. to get it in the <laughs> afternoon. So I did that for, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Wow. Sometimes I would go in four or five times a week. And that's before the Cell Express. I was taking the because the re, it was cheaper too. It was, but it was like a sometimes a five hour train. Ride. Yeah, you've gotten to know the train routes quite well over the last thirty was, plus years. I'm sure. And you'd go into an audition, and you'd you'd have a line like, "Okay, freeze." Back on the train. Thank you. And I go, oh, God, i got five hours to go on a train. <laughs> to, think, to think about what you just <laughs> did. That one line. Right. And you get home, and the phone rings. Can you come in tomorrow? Okay, yeah, I go back on. And so that was, but, you know. I wouldn't. I didn't complain. I think. I think about it now, and I think, oh my God, that was. What do you? Do? But it was a chance. I mean, he it was, speaks to your love and passion for this this thing, which is more than a job to you, which is it's, obviously. It's, it's you know, it's kind of who I am. Yeah, I've always been an actor. Uh, I can't imagine me doing anything else. I drove a laundry truck and had five accidents in two months. <laughs> you know, it's like I. I uh, my dad said he was a uh, a dentist. He said. You should be a dentist. I said, Dad, that means I have to graduate from dental school. I, like, I don't think I can do that. 
you know, it never occurred to me to do anything else ever. And well, by the time, so did did working on something like uh, Witches of Eastwick kind of that changed jumpstart? Yeah, that changed it. Just by being in a high-profile film and, yeah. uh, and you were holding your own, and you, you know, you immediately like again. I remember that. I remember that performance because I mean, you know, you didn't have the biggest part, but you, it, it worked. Yeah. You felt a part of that world. I, I yeah, I know it changed everything. It changed everything. Um, all of a sudden, agents were interested in me, and and it's all because of Bill Tresh, Crazy. who uh, took a chance, and Sandy Dennis, who I did thank, I did thank, but. Uh, People yeah. that people don't often talk about, I and mean, you've already cited a few, like three or four people, like the the people that that prop up uh, an actor's career. That you that uh, it, yeah, there's so many. Whether it's a teacher, oh an agent, God, a, so a parent, it's and then you go along, you go along, and then something else happens. Somebody else comes into your life, sure, and um, and then it changes. Sometimes it goes this way, sometimes it goes down, sometimes up, and um, you know, um, I have five or six people like that that yeah. just uh, change my life. You um, a couple a couple filmmakers and films I wanted to mention. Um, you worked with Mike Nichols a couple times. Twice, yes. I love Mike Nichols. I mean, every every actor that's worked with him, well, that's the first line out of their mouth. What was it? What was about the experience of working with him that well, I felt first special? Auditioned for him for a play he was directing in New York, mm-hmm. and um, it was oh god, what was the name? I don't know, I can't think of it. it was like William Hurt, Harvey Keitel, and oh, wow. all these stars. Yeah. And it was a big hit, and and. Um, they asked me to understudy every part in the play. I said, I, I, can't, I, I can't do that. So I thought I'd never hear from him again. Right. You know? um, and then he, uh, he called me up to do Wolf. Yeah. And um, I just loved him. I loved him immediately. Uh, the first day on the set, I play a, this kind of vague cop. Right. <laughs> It was not very clear in the story, but I played a lot of those parts. But, was kind of, but he was interested. Richard in, will make it work. Well, <laughs> it was, he wanted to know what we, we you know, and, and um, I said, I don't think he's very smart. I think he just seems to me to ask kind of questions that very, the questions are not really probing. And so the first day on the set, um, I'm sitting at my desk and they say action and the phone rings. The phone's not supposed to ring. And I'm, and there's a, Mike Nichols yells from off camera, it's your mother on line two. Wow. So I pick the phone up. I don't <laughs> I go, yeah, mom. <laughs> and there's nobody on the phone. So I just start talking. I, I say, what? What is it, mom? What do you want? <laughs> no, mom, you don't put the cable box on three. You put the television on three. <laughs> and it was just like, and, and I said, what, what, what are we having tonight? Uh, again? We're having that again? <laughs> Okay. All right, Ma. Yeah, I'll, I'll, when I get home, I so I hung I'm a simple mama's boy kind I of hung character. The phone up, and I hear from the back. So you live with your mother. That's amazing. You know, that's how he got to it. <laughs> he just wanted to see what would happen. So did he engineer for the phone to ring, or was he just yeah, making yeah, use of that his, moment? It was his oh, wow. idea. Yeah, he did. The, he, just, he was just. He was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Sound, so yeah. it was a whole thing where I couldn't type very well. I needed white out. You know. I was, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was all, this guy was just not too bright. Well, again, again, speaking to to like mm. Mike's and similar to what you're talking about, Guillermo, like filling in the smaller characters with lived-in details that make that world come to life. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, I think his uh, assistant director who became a producer. Said, "I've known him for 30 years. I've never heard him repeat himself." Wow. He's one of these guys that just was always so, the smartest, interesting guy in the room. You sounds know, like. it's like kind of like Guillermo. Yeah, Guillermo is is. 
I would go to Guillermo and ask him about stuff that had nothing to do with the movie just to see if he'd thought about it. <laughs> I just would test him. It was like, you, know, you seem like the smartest person I've met. Let's test well, that here. I just wanted to say, you know, I, I, have you seen every single movie? Yeah, I think you have. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he knows who he is. He's incredibly articulate. And he, he comes from a real point of view, which was Mike Nichols. Mike Nichols was, um, he was amazing. Um, uh, definitely another unique filmmaker in their own right, in a much different kind of way, is David O. Russell, <laughs> to oh, say the least. It's great. I mean, Burning <laughs> with Disaster is, again, was such a wonderful piece of work um, and an amazing ensemble. That was another one that changed it. I would imagine. Yeah, right. Yeah. And David, you know, I'd done a few things, but uh, he put Josh and I t- together, Josh Brolin, and, and we read together, and then I went down and and Josh, no, we read it separately, and I went down. And they said, "You want to bring it back and read with Josh?" And I said, "Josh, just come on, let's go." I, go, I don't really want to. Go. <laughs> Josh, what are you talking about? I said, "I don't think he's going to use me," you know. And so we went up and we read, and um, and we just had a ball. It's a, it was a kind of a, again, every character is so fascinating in that film. Like you could say that on all of his films, but like that very unlikely. Like you've never seen a pair. Depicted like that in a film, these like ATF agents, uh, two gay men, like you know, at time you wouldn't see, you just, I still think you still would see that. In well, a film. It's, you like, know, it's Eric Guillermo said that's one of the reasons I cast you is that you were a man who happened to be gay. Yeah, it wasn't a flamboyant, yeah. crazy yeah. depiction. It was yeah. a very lived in, and um, and so, but that was that was just one fun day after the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Brolin, I know, is another character, a smart guy, but a very smart. interesting guy and a really good actor. Oh my Just gosh! Really We've good discovered actor. it yeah. more and more in yeah, recent yeah. years. It's really good, really good. Um, and you, I mean, it seems like, the, yeah, you, you mentioned like flirting, kind of like jump starting things. Like you started to work with like, like uh, whether you were gravitating towards them or the directors were gravitating towards you. You know, City Pollock and Clint Eastwood. You're starting to like accumulate this nice roster of filmmakers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Sydney, I did two things with. One, I just acted with him in, and one, uh, he directed me, and we acted He was together. a great actor, by the way. He was a really good actor. I think he wanted to be an actor more than he did a director. I always, he was just one of those guys that, again, yeah. like, like yourself, honestly, that never a false note. Just felt like I mean, a lived-in, real... But it's funny, when you're acting with him, he would cut, and he goes, how was that? Oh, no. <laughs> it's a little insecure. Yeah, so I said, <laughs> nice. oh, well, uh, shall we ask the director? <laughs> oh, you're the director. Oh. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he was, uh, Sydney was great. Sydney, I think I heard that he wanted to see the vis- visitor, a tape of the visitor. Yeah. He was very sick at the time. Oh, wow. And uh, I don't know if he ever did, but I, he was great. Sydney was great. By the, by the time you got to the visitor, which, um, you know, fair to say became an unlikely, um, you know, Mini kind of phenomenon. It you know got you an Academy Award nomination. This was um, the great Tom McCarthy. But I know you even had trepidation not about the part, but about like, are we really going to make this with me in a leading role? You said before you yeah. hadn't ever been no. the leading guy. No, that again, this is not one of those things that happens. No, it doesn't happen. And, and he called me and said, um, I did. I knew him. I didn't know him very well. Mm. But this is uh, my agent. This is my agent, Rhonda Price, who is Tom. Who is is Tom's agent. And she kept shoving movies of mine to him because she had been reading the script he was writing. Right. And she said, this is Richard. This is Richard. So he didn't – he knew me, but he didn't – so she's giving him movies. So then he called me up, and we went out to dinner in L.A., and I just said, okay. We were both working out there in different movies. He was acting in a movie. Went to dinner, and we talked, and had a nice time. And then about six months later – he called me up and said, uh, "I wrote this part for you. I want you to know if I want you to tell me if you're interested in doing it." And okay, he sent me the script, and it was just like, I mean, it was. 
I said to my wife, who never reads things that I'm doing, I said, you have to read this and tell me if it's as good as I think it is. This <laughs> Am I just deceived because it's a leading part it, it, or is it, it, it actually as great as and, it seems? And it's just, the, the writing was so brilliant. Yeah. And so he called me up the next day and said, do you want to do this? And I said, Tom, nobody's going to give you money to make this movie with me in this part. And he said, that wasn't my question. You let me worry about that. Do you want to do it? And I said, you bet. So that was the... Uh, had you, had you come close to kind of like getting the, the kind of leading role that I you never was up for leading roles like really? that. No, no, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm a character actor, you know. I, yeah. uh, um, and is that something that at some point you kind of like made your peace with or like at a certain point you're like, you know, what, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to work with great people. These are rewarding parts. Well, and it's, it, it's it, just not on the cards. It's, it's, it's got to be on the page. You know, there, you go through times where you have to do whatever comes along yeah. just because you have children to educate. And, and you want to be an actor and you want to keep busy and you want to keep working. Um, and then but that day comes when you can say no, yes, yes, no. Right. And, and that's a nice day because you don't have to do, you know, no, they're, they're not going to, Warner Brothers is not going to put a hundred million up and say, hey, let's put Richard Jenkins in this part. So but, it, it, it's upsetting to me to hear that, you know, you kind of made light of it, but like in the wake of The Visitor, you know, which was a success and got you an Oscar nom. Yeah. You, it sounds like you didn't get other opportunities to be the guy. Oh, it doesn't need to be a hundred million dollar movie. No, I'm talking no. about five or ten million dollar. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. You I did. did. Okay. I, yes, yes. And um, but it's still hard. You know, it's it's not. You know, I, my career changed after that. Yeah. Really changed after that. That's that's the one that really changed. Um, yeah. But um, you know, it's you know, it's who I am. I mean, I'm a, I'm a character actor, and but you know, doesn't mean I'll do crappy parts. Right. Right. Well, one film that uh, I do want to mention, because I'm obsessed with, uh, and I've talked to Matt Reeves a number of times, it was my favorite film of that year, was Let Me In. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, Matt, I, I put at the highest ranks of the filmmakers working today, and I know he's you know, very meticulous and has his own method, and, but he knows what he wants. And um, I've seen that movie many times, and I, and I just love, I love so much about that movie. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I don't. I guess I don't have a specific question, except I just want to hear kind of like what your experience was. And you know, there's a lot of tough things about that character. It's not you know, not saying much under prosthetics for some key sequences. Mm-hmm. There's the car crash. Like it, it's it's again an interesting challenge. Well, I would imagine you know, from my perspective, isn't it? I don't, I don't have a lot of lines to remember. That's good. <laughs> no, I I, uh, I liked Matt. I liked the part because it was anything was possible with that part. Um, you know, he gave me um, the freedom to kind of figure it out. Um, I we kind of came up with the garbage bags and mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And what what would you do if you didn't have money and if you were trying to make a costume to get, or keep the blood off you? How what would you do? Sure. So it, all that stuff was really interesting and, mm-hmm. and fun. Um, and I just love the guy too. But you you know he's going to be an important director when you're working with him. You yeah. just know he is. You know that that car crash was just it was amazing without without going into like a, a two-hour master class on filmmaking how was that even achieved this is uh essentially one I, continuous shot i don't like know if he wants you to okay let's not even ruin the magic that's all good i wouldn't i wouldn't uh i wouldn't i wouldn't say it unless he said it was okay what, what about the the uh, your final scene in the film, which I find really moving, again, thanks to Giacchino's score and your performance and Chloe's performance. Um, again, you're, you've kind of like been burned totally alive, and you sacrifice yourself to this, well, this kind child. Of what it's, he's done his whole life. 
Yeah. You know, um, we always, I always, this is what I was playing, that I met her the same age as the young boy meeting her now. Right. And I've aged and she hasn't. And I've been her caretaker. And, and my life is, is devoted to her. Yeah. And, uh, and I see the writing on the wall. I see the kid coming in. Right. Because I can't do it as well anymore. You know, yeah, I'm screwing up, and and it's it was an interesting part. It yeah. was uh, you know it was a really fun part for an actor to to I deal imagine. with. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, there's no segue to Step Brothers, but <laughs> we have to mention Step right. Brothers because I'm again I'm, I, I I would imagine I, I don't know if you maybe a love hate relationship is probably wrong. There's so all good that's come of it, but like there's probably a disproportionate amount of attention you get for that role. Well, yeah, you which do. is kind of I, you know it's the it is what nature it is. of the beast. Right. I mean it's it's it was a very popular movie and yeah. it's it was popular, but it, after it hit you know, like DVD, that's went to another level. Nuts. Yeah. 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 Um, Adam McKay's fascinating in his own right in different yes. ways. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I've been on set where he, he, he's been shooting, and I know he, like, you know, he's on the bullhorn tossing out wines to people. Oh, um, he's, he's, was that something that you were comfortable with? or yeah. something? I mean, uh, David does that, too. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, David. Uh, but um, um, it depends. I mean, yeah, it's, I'm... He, Adam said, you know, we'll do the script two or three takes, and then we'll kind of veer off. I said, yeah, well, two? We didn't get through one take. Right. I mean, these guys can't <laughs> stop. I mean, they're just... But everything they say is hysterical. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then Adam will give you... Adam came up to me during the um, the California wine mixer. That's the other thing I hear. People always say, the fucking California wine mixer. <laughs> um, but he came up to me and he said, um, go tell um, uh, the guys that you wanted to be a dinosaur when you were a kid. <laughs> and I said, What? He said, just go tell them that you wanted to be a, a dinosaur. I said, Adam, what are you talking about? <laughs> he goes, no, no, just, just go tell them that you... So I went over and that's... What, and I came off and I... And of course, John and Will are going, Dad, that's impossible. You, you can't be... <laughs> and I came back and I, I said, well, that won't be in the movie. And he went, oh, yeah, it will. <laughs> I mean, it's... it's, it's Come on! If you're going to make step, if you can't have fun yeah. making Step Brothers, then you should look for another right. job. And it's very enjoy- you, you you play unhinged very well, like uh, a- angry and, and well, those uh, guys do it to you. Yeah, right. That was that was an acting that was just. A- <laughs> I mean, those guys. Whatever you say to them, they have an answer for. Right. I mean, I think I come up with this good line to John. He's got an answer for everything. Yeah, and it's like after a while. <laughs> They, uh, yeah. as you well know, they, those guys and you are always asked about a sequel. I, I saw Will talking just recently about the fact that the closest they came was a, a treatment where they would live with you in like, a retirement. retirement community. Did you ever like read anything on that? Or I didn't like, read it, but Adam, I saw Adam one day. He goes, "We're, we're going to do a sequel," and uh, and I said, "Oh, good." And then it ne- never happened. I, I think it might be okay if we didn't. Right. I think either way, we're fine. Yeah. Like it could be fun, a fun experience, but hey, there are worse things than to leave a classic like that alone. Well, we better hurry up. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. I'm going to be in the nursing home oh, by the please. time. <laughs> um, you know, we, we've referenced, you know. It'll uh, be orderly. Stop. <laughs> Just enough. Um, the fact that you, you make your life and have for many, many years in, in Rhode Island, which is not, I, I might be the first guest on my podcast that, that does that and makes that work. Um, you know, from the outside in, it seems like you, you've 
I don't know how you got there, but you cracked a code in kind of like a work-life balance pretty well. Um, you know, you've, you've been married for nearly 50 years. You have mm-hmm. two kids. You're living away from the... And I have a new grandchild. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Um, from the insanity that is both New York and L.A., yet you, you're able to work with the best directors. Is, you know, you know, in retrospect, what's the best decision that you think you made to kind of like arrive at this kind of nice balance of, of work life. I don't think I made a decision. I don't think it was ever a decision. It just, if you look back on your life and you see things that you just said, oh, okay, or, or no, I don't think so. Mm. It, it meant nothing at the time, but you see that, oh my God, if I'd said yes to that, that would have been entirely different. Um, I think it's, I think dumb luck is, is a lot of it. I do. I think in careers and, um, mm. In your life, I, I'm incredibly fortunate. Knock on wood. Um, I have, I have an amazing family, um, and loving and smart. And my wife and I, she's a choreographer, and I direct sometimes in the theater. I used to direct more. I, I stopped, and now we do things t- together. We do musicals, nice. and uh, we co-direct, and she choreographs. And oh, cool. uh, it's it's we've done two now, and it's just really fun. It's really fun. Have you done stage work here in, in the city? Have you worked uh, here in the... Never on stage, no. Really? No, never. Ha- oh, I did a couple of workshops, but never uh, yeah. never on stage, no. So what, what is the, the criteria now that, you know, especially in the last decade plus, I would imagine there's there's an actual degree of choice because, you know, as you reference, mm-hmm. like that's... There is. I think that's the thing that, that, that most people don't realize about great actors is that there's very often little choice. It's like, take what, what's available and, and let the wind take you where, where you will. But at this point in your career, you do. You get to yeah, kind of I, I mean, steer I, it a little bit. I don't, you know, I don't turn down movies that, you know, um, um, Tom Cruise accepts, you know. But, but, but I, you know, I, I, I have options. Because, yeah. I mean, but there just seems to be no reason to do something if you don't love it. Right. Now. Um, are you are you relieved, excited that uh, when did you first see Shape of Water before the f- festival circuit? I came or back. You... Yeah, I came back to reach. I had to grow the beard again and do one take, one added shot for the end, holding Sally. Mm-hmm. And so I came back. I don't know when it was, but it was. Uh, he had a rough cut, not a rough cut. He had temp music, and he had right. And he said, he, "I said I got to see this because yeah. you know, I don't usually not really crazy to see the movies, sure. but I watched it in a, in a screening room." And, and not a screening room, an editing room. And I mean, I got lost. I forgot I was in it. All of a sudden, I show up again. I went, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean it just blew me away. And then I saw it in Venice. Yeah. It's exciting to see the the audiences fall in love with this one, and and there's so much to love in it, as I've referenced. Like the, you know, hopefully, I think uh, Sally's going to stop by, and I've talked to Guillermo on the podcast, and Mike, as as you can imagine, Michael Shannon's been a regular, so and not to mention Stuhlbarg and Octavia. It's like there's an embarrassment of riches here. I know it's incredible, and and it was such fun to do. Yeah, I love Sally Hawkins. I just love Octavia's great. Uh, M- Michael, I've known. We actually, when I was nominated, he was nominated for the first time. Right. Um, and we kind of knew each other a little bit and talked. And sure. I'd do panels with him, and he was uh, hilarious. Yeah. I mean, he's just this kind of subversive guy. To say the <laughs> and, least. And yeah. uh, so, but, um, but I didn't really do any scenes with him here, but I saw him on set and everything. Um, I, I haven't really uh, spent much time with Sally, but I mean, she's obviously from, you know, the Mike Lee stuff uh, on. She's always been excellent. But this is, you know, it's a nearly, it's a, it's a silent role, essentially. And, and she has to be. Brilliant in this yeah. for this movie to work. Yes, but he, he, she's the only one he wanted. 
which again speaks to his. I don't like, think he would have done the movie if he couldn't have gotten there. Because again, you can imagine like the nefarious like studio executives. Like I don't know where Sally Hawkins is, frankly, on that list for a bankable movie. So I'm so thrilled that Guillermo used whatever clout he has to, <sighs> and, to put and, her in it. You know, I mean, she's just extraordinary, yeah. and and. I, I uh, you know, I said to her, "You're my friend now, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> We're in this together. So stop fighting me." You know? um, <laughs> no, we just had such fun. We yeah. laughed a lot, and um, it, it was great. I, you know, this is the, kind of the first I see a friendship on screen when I watch it. I go, "Hey, hey, hey, hey. you yeah. like your friends?" Yeah, you know, um, she's she's fantastic, and Octavia, hilarious. Well, the good news is you all will uh, be spending a bit of time together on this silly kind of award circuit, which has serves a good cause in spreading the good word for this this film. Um, I'm sure I'll see more of you on uh, on carpets, etc. You know, it's, it's a, honestly it's a great uh, piece of work, and as you carpets can tell, as in hair pieces. Yeah, exactly. That's my euphemism. You know what I'm talking about. Right, yeah. um, no, as you can tell, I'm, I'm such a fan of both your work and this film in particular, and it's 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 honestly been a real pleasure it's, to catch up with you, man. It's really great, isn't it? It's film? yeah, it's a special one. Well, thank you. You made it easy. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. (laughs) 